Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Road to Wealth podcast. This is Justin tuning in here on Sunday, September 5th, 2021. I hope everyone's having a good day so far and a great Labor Day for those that are celebrating. On today's episode, I have Genevieve from Holistic Personal Finance. We get back to an interview, and I want to thank her for coming up with the idea to do a book review on today's episode. We actually talk through the book by James Clear called Atomic Habits. It's a fantastic book for those that are trying to build a new habit as well as break a new one. And we actually talk through the structure of how James describes it. And we take his structure and talk about finance and how we as people within the financial literacy space are trying to coach many different people or even just talk through how to build a good habit and also how to break a bad habit. So I want to thank Genevieve for coming on today. Please find her on Instagram as well as all of her social. Um, I'm going to put a link to her, all her info within the show notes. And thanks again for tuning into the Road to Wealth podcast. I greatly appreciate those that do tune in every week. And for those that, if you can, please share it with a friend as well as subscribe. If you are compelled and listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. Uh, It'll help myself out and those within the podcast algorithm. So without further ado, I want to introduce my conversation with Genevieve talking about Atomic Habits. Hello, everyone. Thank you again for tuning into the Road to Wealth podcast. And I'm honored today to actually have a guest calling in from all the way down south. I have (laughs) Genevieve from Holistic Personal Finance. How are you? I am doing great. Thanks for having me on. I feel honored. I've listened to many episodes, so they are all great. Well, thank you. And and to give the listeners some context, Genevieve and I uh, met earlier this year. Um, you know, being you know financial literacy content creators, I actually found her on Instagram, and I actually influenced her to go on Twitter. <laughs> so you did. <laughs> So she's on all the platforms and um, she, I actually want to thank you because uh, we've been chatting online about, you know, how do we get on a podcast together? And you came with this great idea to do a book review. Yes. So I was reading, well, you kind of wreck it. You pushed me over the edge for reading Atomic Habits. And um, so after I got about halfway through the book, I was like, man, this may be a good podcast episode. We need to check it out. Totally. And then everyone with, I feel that has either been in the financial, you know, space as us has always recommended this book or, you know, simple things like, you know, a simple path to wealth or, you know, a total money makeover. And this was a unique book because not only is it, it can be related to finance, but it could be related to pretty much anything like health or wellness. And I know this is something that you definitely promote within just your brand of holistic personal finance. Yeah, definitely. I like to focus on not just, I mean, finance, obviously, but how finance can really create more balance in your life and how you can use that to, you know, make yourself a healthier, happier version of you. Um, So I think this book relates. And yes, I read it and it made me want to change all of my habits. I'm like, which habit am I going to change next? I like have all these great ideas now. Totally, totally. And um, for for everyone joining in, we are going to be going through um, just an overview of the book and uh, really going through like a real life example of what James talks about. So for those that don't know, we're actually going to be talking about the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. I'm going to put a link in the show notes, but it's a very popular book. And just off initial impressions, Genevieve, what what did you think of the book uh, after you read it? 
So I thought it was really interesting. I kind of love hearing about different studies that are being done and different examples. So that was one thing that I picked up a lot on, you know, he does all of these different, um, or, you know, talks about all these other different psychologists and, and things that he's found and all of these studies, and then just applies it to your actual real life. So, um, yeah, that's something that I really picked up on and I feel like can apply to a lot of people's financial lives as well. You know, the one aspect about this book that I absolutely loved was just how simple he made the elements of habits. And he really talked about building systems. Yes. How do you feel kind of that black and white structure helps pretty much everyone with with any form of habit creation? Yeah. I mean, I found myself personally, just as I was reading it, thinking, ooh, I could like slip this into my morning routine or let me think of how I can add maybe more physical activity into my day. Or, you know, let me use some of these very simple, and we'll kind of get to them when we do the examples, I think, but very simple system building things to you know, make my life a little bit better? How can I switch some, some of my daily routine up? Yeah. Yeah. Same with me. I, I always like going through the book. I was just like, Oh, I could totally change this. I yeah. could just adjust this. And he may, he, James writes it in a very clear path where you take a little bit of inventory of either a habit you're trying to like help amplify or one habit that you're trying to break. So we're going to go through a little bit of that, um, on today's episode of, how to create a good habit. So let's let's start there, Genevieve. And we're going to okay. relate. Um, what I want us to do is we're going to go through two exercises. One, it's going to be how do we create a good habit, right? And you're going to help me, you know, break down how James talks about his structure and systems. And then we're going to go through a second example of how to break a bad habit, right? So yes. Um, let's start with. Uh, let's actually go in reverse. So let's talk about how do we break a bad habit. Okay. So one, he kind of has like these four steps for either one. So he kind of has like four steps and then he'll reverse it. So when he reverse it, it's basically all about making it invisible, unattractive, difficult, and unsatisfying. So, um, and I think he relates, he does like a lot of like cigarette smoking and some things that we typically think of bad habits, but for our purposes here. I think we're going to talk about overspending or kind of maybe that credit card cycle that a lot of people find themselves in. Yeah. And I actually just read on Twitter that I think it was, now this statistic might be way off, but I think one in three credit card holders are carrying a balance. So, I mean, we're looking at almost 33% of the population that's actually paying interest in a negative, negative way. And you know, that's definitely one habit that I feel like most of at least America yeah. <laughs> definitely falls into. I'm curious what you think. No, I agree. I think that, and I also, the last time I was looking at some statistics, um, the average credit card balance is around 5,500. So it's not like it's like a thousand dollars. I mean, 5,500 is a pretty good chunk of change, especially if you're paying a 20, 18 to 24% interest rate on that, which I'm unfortunately a lot of people are. And I think the reason we maybe say it's a bad habit is because it's avoidable. I mean, maybe in some situations you have a small percentage where 
there's some folks in really dire straits and I, I totally understand that. And some people got to do what you got to do, but for the most part, and for many, many people, it is avoidable and it is more of a habit than it is anything else. Yeah. I love what you said there because it is avoidable. It's more of like, this is the aspect of behavioral psychology implementing its head within our finances because they just feel like, oh, I'm just going to add this meal here or this gym membership is going to go here or, you know, I'll just pay it off, pay off the minimum. And that's just a very dangerous cycle that people tend to fall through. Yeah. And I get it. I've been there. I mean, I think, you know, anybody, especially if you are a younger person and, you know, I think probably back in back in the day when we were entering in college, they're handing out those free t-shirts for credit cards. I mean, you remember those. Yeah. And, you know, if you're not quite educated or you're, you know, it's not even about education. It's just young and not quite having the right systems in place and having bad habits as opposed to good ones when it comes to those credit cards. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I've, I've talked ad nauseum of like, the bar tab that I completely regret putting on my <laughs> on my credit card, or you know, the, the the shirt I probably don't have anymore, but I was paying interest oh, on, right? Yeah, I mean, new outfit every weekend. Can't wear the same thing twice. I don't know why, but anyways, <laughs> we, we've matured and and, and yeah. got a lot better. Generally. So, yeah, it happens. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so you talked about the four steps of how to break a bad habit. So in, in the context of the, the general concept of credit cards, how do we make it invisible? So if we're trying, if, if we have a $5,500 credit card balance, which I right. can't imagine, but it's, it, it's real. How do we make the first step is how do we make this habit go away or make, make it invisible? Yeah. I mean, in my mind, when I think about making it invisible, I almost think about taking the cards out of your wallet. You know, um, I had, I did like a very funny reel about putting your credit cards in the freezer and it was just so funny to hear all the people's responses. I think I had most people just say, well, I'd memorize the number. And it's like, that's not the point, (laughs) (laughs) but that's a good place to start is by, you know, taking the temptation and making it a little bit more invisible, trying, trying your best. And I think, I don't know, this just kind of came to me too, but one thing where it's not invisible, but kind of more visible is to actually look at your statements too and see what's going on. Um, Cause sometimes that invisibility on the credit card is what gets people, you know, they just make push that statement to the side. Yeah. Or, or they'll look at, Oh, minimum balance due is $28. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're, they're just, okay, well that's all I have to pay. Um, and I actually want to double down on what you talked about with free, one freezing your credit card. I have a, I have a few questions there, but yeah. um, I think even in today's like technology, right? We could our smartphones are able to store those credit cards or yes. pay digitally. So I feel like you know not only physically freeze them, <laughs> you have yeah. to also remove them from your you know your 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 smartphone or your tablet or something like that. Definitely. I have, um, for sure taken unsaved on purpose, my credit card information at some of my favorite, uh, shopping establishments. And it's, um, we'll talk a little bit about friction and creating more spending friction here in a second, but yeah, that's definitely a good way to start by making them invisible. I got to ask you for that Instagram reel where you talked about physically freezing your credit cards. What were some you know, responses that kind of stood out to you? Well, 
Well, first, that's a true story. So my I, that was like late in college, probably maybe first year graduated or something along those lines. And I think I complained to my mother like, oh, my gosh, I have all this credit card. They're just piling up. And she goes, you need to put those I want dang things in the freezer. <laughs> this is a safe space. You can curse okay. if you need to. I wasn't sure. I couldn't remember. And um, and so I was like, strangely enough, I was like, okay, like I guess so. Sure enough, like four months later, I was like, oh, I forgot these were even here. Now this was a long time ago, so nothing could be saved <laughs> digitally. But yeah, so so that was a real story. And yes, most of the comments were about, well, it's saved in my phone and you know, this is something that's kind of silly. I would never do that. I kind of got a few of those responses. I was like, you know, never, never. You wouldn't do it to save yourself a lot of money and try to, you know, get on a better path. So it was interesting to see the response. Yeah. Well, that kind of leads us to the second uh, the second step, and James talks about it. So we, we talked about making it invisible, either physically or digitally. And the sec- second piece is how do we create a way where it's unattractive. What, what what do you feel like that means to you in the context of a credit card? Yeah. Um, and I think one thing when we kind of spoke earlier that popped up for me is making those interest charges really visible. So, um, you know, back, back in my banking days, I had a, a lady come in and she was, she kind of slid her statement to me across the desk and was like, what's this? <laughs> and, you know, had this big, whatever it was, maybe a hundred dollars circled. And I said, well, that's the interest from, from your credit card. Cause you didn't pay it in full this month and kind of slid the mm-hmm. statement back. And I mean, she, she had no idea. She goes, what do you mean interest? I, I thought this was, I think maybe she thought it was 0% and had continued to be 0% and mm-hmm. did not realize it. She goes, well, how long have I been paying this? And we went back, I would say it must have been 12 months or something like that. We pulled all the statements. And I mean, that was maybe $500, $600 worth of interest in a year. And she just had no idea, no idea that that was all fees. Um, so I think making it unattractive, really highlighting that interest and really kind of making it any way you can do to make it in your face. So maybe that's when you're budgeting, maybe you put that in a budget line item, maybe you put it to a note on the side, circle it, make it, make yourself feel, feel that payment a little bit more. And I think it's also for those that are carrying credit card debt or, you know, maybe they're in the effort. It's like, you know, there's this element where you're, you're paying more than what the value of that object or service that you initially sought out. Right. After the fact. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, that shirt doesn't cost, I don't know, $50. It really costs, you know, 55 and some change or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. So that's a good way to think about it too. You know, if you are shopping and you're feeling maybe that little urge of temptation somewhere within yourself to kind of hold up, <laughs> um, stop and ask yourself some of those questions. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Um, so moving to the third step, how do we, you know, make it difficult? And James talked a little bit about like the cigarette smoking, right? And like, yes. you know, but I feel like this is fairly easy from a, from a credit card. Like how do we make it difficult outside of just physically taking away or digitally taking away? Yeah. One thing I was thinking of is 
because I think somewhere in the um, cigarette smoking example, he talks about like who you are around, right? If you're around a lot of people who mm. are um, kind of smoking cigarettes and it's a little bit easier, or if you are going to the bar that you always smoke at or something like that. Um, you know, we can use that and apply it to finance too. So, um, don't put yourself in, in those situations. You know, if you're hanging out with a, with a ton of people that are always overspending, maybe they're, maybe they have those bad financial habits that you're trying to break, then, you know, you don't have to break up with them completely, but (laughs) don't try not to put yourself in those situations. Yeah, one one example that came to mind was, you know, if if you're around a group of friends that, you know, tend to, you know, like for example, Genevieve and I are big foodies. We love food, oh, yeah. we love going out and what, right? <laughs> um, but you know, that's something we've developed over time and you know, obviously have budgeted, but there are times like I remember in my past where I had a group of friends that they constantly went out every weekend and will throw a card or whatever. And like if you want to break that habit, you may need to physically remove yourself from that group of friends and say, Hey, I'm not in it this weekend and find alternatives. I would suggest, you know, in, in, in that example is like, why don't you create like a wine party at home or like everyone bring a six pack and like have a similar like social function, but you don't have to be tempted by, you know, bringing yes. out a credit card. Yeah. And same thing I hear a lot. Um, you know, I'll talk of, talk to a lot of ladies specifically kind of who will say, Oh, I was kind of bored. So I just went and walked around target or, uh, you know, something along those, lines. which I get it. It's entertaining. There's a lot. It's great. Who doesn't love a target run, but at the same time, if you're struggling with, you know, with that particular piece of your financial life at, at that point in time, doesn't mean you can't ever go to target again, but just to maybe remove yourself from that particular situation right there. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Well, the last step, and you a little alluded it to a little bit around, you know, having accountability, but it's to make it unsatisfying. And, yeah. you know, in the context of credit cards, like what, what do you think there? Yeah. And one thing he says about making it unsatisfying, he uses this uh, term, a habit contract. So, um, and I'm trying to remember the specific way that he used it, but something I could think about using it in this example would be maybe you have a partner at home. Maybe that's your, your parent, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your wife, your husband, whoever, and you guys maybe make a pact that says, you know, first person to overspend on their credit card has to, I don't know, make dinner or something like that. You know, they have some sort of consequence basically to your actions. So that's what he's kind of talking about in this habit contract. And then the other thing he talks about is really getting accountability partner, which is, you know, kind of a similar theory there. So maybe that's something where, again, like you and a partner go over your finances or go over your budget, you know, once a month or something, or even if it's a roommate or a friend who has a similar goal as you, maybe you have a, a friend of yours who's also looking to get out of credit card debt or kind of stop that um, that overspend, then you guys could pair up together and check in with each other once a week and say, hey, how's it going? Yeah. And um, yeah, and that's what I do a lot as a finance coach too. I mean, that's kind of, you know, we meet uh, at certain times and, um, you know, it's like going to the gym and you're talking to your trainer, <laughs> you know, and they're asking you, okay, what'd you eat this week? <laughs> um, so just sometimes knowing that there's going to be a person that's asking about those habits can help change a little bit of that behavior. 
I think that's huge. Like having a, a, a community or accountability partner to help amplify, you know, the, turning a bad habit into good. And, you know, Genevieve and I, like, I, I think for those that are listening, like being a good steward of using credit cards is actually a good thing. Like, you know, there's definitely be- oh, benefits yeah. for miles or points, but, you know, there's always this phrase that we hear in the finance community that credit cards can be like a chainsaw. It's a great tool to have, but if used improperly, it could potentially cut off your hand. <laughs> Yes, exactly. So yeah, I am not, I'll make that very clear. Um, definitely not anti-credit card. Um, they can be useful in so many situations and, you know, debt as leverage is powerful. Um, but yes, used the wrong way can also be super dangerous. Totally. totally. And take it for Genevieve and I, we definitely have stories of yes, how we... Yes, I have both. <laughs> Yeah, of of both both ends, the dangerous part and and have experienced the powerful part too. So exactly, exactly. Well, well, cool. I I think you know to 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 summarize how to break a, a bad habit. Why don't you take us through the, the the four steps? Yes. So to have so make it invisible, make it unattractive, make it difficult, and make it unsatisfying. Awesome. awesome. Yes. And now we are going to move into how do we create. A good habit. And I, I feel like this was a part where this was the draw for me as a reader of this yeah. section because there are so many things that I wanted to create. Like reading this book, I wanted to get up early. Um, as you know, I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a father <laughs> um, and time in the day just escapes me. Um, so this book definitely helped me structure how to create a better morning routine. I'm curious for you, um, as you were reading how to create a good habit, was there one in particular that stood out to you of what you wanted to to do? Yeah. So I have kind of recently just switched jobs and kind of had a lot of just different things going on at home. And typically I was doing pretty good about kind of getting to the gym and being a little bit more active. Um, my not job, my nine to five now anyways, is kind of at home in the, in the office chair all day. So it's nice to make sure I'm fitting that that part um, in my day. And so this is what I used. And one thing in particular that I really took away is that, okay, just because you can't do something for a full hour doesn't mean you can't do it for, <laughs> you know, 10, 15 minutes. So one thing he kind of starts with uh, on one of these is, is just start small, you know, um, when it comes to time. And there's one that he talks about like a two-minute habit rule. And, um, so yeah, just making, starting small. And that was something that I was like, okay, yes, I can do that. (laughs) Totally. And there, you know, again, James talks about how do we create systems and this is no different for creating a good habit. So, um, there are four laws similar to what Genevieve was talking about with how to break a bad habit. He created four laws of how to create a good one. And, um, the first one's making it, making it obvious the second one is making it attractive. The third is making it easy. And the fourth is, fourth is making it satisfying. So starting with the first, making it obvious. Um, well, even before we get into that, what was one example that we were going to talk through of creating a good habit in, within the finance space? So I think kind of on the flip side of that overspend and kind of credit card cycle that people get into, one thing we could talk about creating a good habit is sticking to a budget or a spending plan. And you, creating that habit, 
I always say, you know, getting your finances in order, it doesn't have to like take over your life, but you do have to, you do have to look at it and you do have to um, pay attention to what's going on. And so whether that is, and we can talk about some of the different ways, but that might be, you know, doing that a manual budget. It might be checking in once a week, once every two weeks, but at some point in time, you have to, you have to figure it out and you have to get a habit that works for you. You know I've talked to other financial coaches as well. I'm curious from your lens, Genevieve. I feel like the budget, this doesn't respond to me, but I've heard feedback from other coaches that budgeting is the most difficult psychological thing for for clients. Do you see that? Yeah, it's super difficult, I think, because people give up too soon. And that's why I don't, I kind of like, don't really like the word budget. Eek. I know. Um, (laughs) Only because I think what people's perception of that is, is just very rigid and it has to be the same every single month. And um, it's not going to be the same every single month. So I think what happens is a lot of people get kind of stuck in that. Oh my gosh, I missed this by so much money. I overspent in here, but I underspent on here. And it just feels very... um, discouraging. (laughs) Um, when I think a lot of times I use kind of the words like spending plan, like let's look at your, what's planned. And if it's a little bit off, then it's a little bit off and we're going to change it and it's going to work next month. So, you know, a lot of people don't feel like it, they feel like they need to make it and then they need to make it right the very first month. And that's just not honestly realistic. I love how you framed it as your spending plan. Um, I talk about you know your burn rate, and I yeah, feel like I like that too. It, it I feel like it's uh, so much of the example you talked about, like when you go see a personal trainer and they ask you, "What do you? What did you eat?" Right? Like I feel like the right. budget conversation is this daunting thing that many people have, but in and of itself, if if it's a good habit that you're trying to create, it's gonna pay di- literally pay you dividends um, to not only avoid like credit card debt or your investment plan like there's so many tangible benefits that come from just structuring what your spending plan is every month yeah and a big part of it honestly is just a little bit less stress so it sounds almost counterintuitive but a little bit more time on on the front end can really save you a lot of stress on the back end totally well let's get into it so the first one is um, in the context of budget how do we make it obvious Yes. So there are a ton of things that you can do to make it obvious. I know, well, I'll talk about a few things. The first things that I kind of thought of initially was using technology to your advantage. So whether I know I'm like a big, um, like reminders in the phone, like I always use those like Apple reminders. So whether you like that or a Google calendar or whatever it is, put it in your phone and make it obvious. Alexa, use whatever you want. (laughs) We have technology at our fingertips. So use it to, you know, make that alarm go off, whether it's once a week, once every two weeks, once a month to review your finances and see what's going on. Um, The second thing he talks about, which this was maybe one of my favorite parts of the book is talking about these, he calls it an implementation intention. Hmm. And it's called, it's a sentence that says, I will blank, whatever the behavior is, at blank, which is a time, in blank, which is a location. So for example, yours could be, I will review my budget at five o'clock 
uh, Friday when I'm done with work could be an example. And something about just, we say this with goal setting a lot of times too, if you want a, a, a much, um, if you want to increase your chances of accomplishing your goals, really all you have to do is say it aloud and write it down a few times. <laughs> and strangely enough, that um, that works wonders. And I think it's the same thing here. It's like, strangely enough, you just say it, be really specific about it, write it down, and that's going to encourage you to do it. No, I love that. And I, I love that intention piece because if you, if you just let it fo- you know, kind of be in your head for right. so much time and you're not going to take action. So it's just like if there's, you know, a reminders app or, you know, you physically write it on a post-it note, um, I have to remind myself that I will, like, for example, I've already finished our September budget. Like I always do it a month ahead because we've been doing okay. it for a number of years, right. but I have this, you know, this, this habit where I do it at the end of every month for there the next go. coming month. Right. And it's just like, it's, it's done. It's share, it's a Google share doc that my wife and I look together and it's like, is this right? We have this birthday party on this date next month or, you know, this, you know, wedding we have to go to, like all of that yeah. is at least discussed. And it's not this like surprise at the end, of, at the end of the month. Exactly. And he even does, um, I think this is kind of in this section too, about making it obvious. He calls it like a habit stacking. So you could even do, um, this is what, this was what got me with the physical activity part. Cause I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I could certainly figure out this habit stacking thing. So it's basically after you do a current habit, you're going to implement the new habit. Um, and I did this already a little bit with meditating. I think we talked about, I started meditating this year as kind of a new thing. And so it's kind of one of those things, the minute I get up, I go downstairs, I let my dogs out. And then it's just like instinctively starting to become like, let the dogs out, meditate for 10 minutes. And so then I was like, well, easily after that, I could add in like going for a jog or something like that would make, would be an easy next step. Um, But for your finances, maybe that is you, you know, check your email or you review your purchases and then you're putting it into your budget or you are um, done with work on a Friday afternoon or you're finished dinner Sunday night and this is going to be the next thing that you do. So I kind of like that habit stacking. Yeah, to- to- and, and, and digitally too, I mean, you mentioned there's a number of different uh, budgeting apps online and uh, you know there's uh, some people just use a, a traditional like paper and pen like there's there's elements here where you you could fit it within whatever style that will resonate and help compound it positively for you yeah it's you know what's funny i did a poll um like an instagram poll not too long ago asking what people's favorite like budgeting methods were mm-hmm. and majority of people said pen and paper i was like wow i didn't know so um, they, were, they were on Instagram and they fully yeah. admitted that. They yeah. Everybody awesome. was like X, like Excel doc or like me, you know, I kind of put like a manual. Yeah. Tracker. I was like, all right, people are, who knew? <laughs> people are a lot more old school than we really thought. That's awesome. Yeah. So that was kind of fun. So, uh, well, I love the habit stacking. So going to the second law, uh, James yes. talks about how do we make it attractive? So as, uh, Boring as some may call budgeting, I find it okay. Um, How do we make it an attractive habit to create? Right. So he also kind of uses this bundling uh, theory for making it attractive. And he calls this one 
temptation bundling. So it's basically pairing something that you want to do with something that you need to do. Um, so this could be, I don't know, maybe like you get to, you budget and then you get to watch your favorite TV show. So, you know, for me, that would maybe be budgeting on a Monday before Bachelor in Paradise or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Fully, full guilty pleasure from Genevieve with her fashion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so that's just one one way to do it. I think he talked about when talking about exercising, he was like, you know, watch your favorite TV show while you exercise or, um, t- you know, I was going to say take a walk, but that's kind of the same type of example anything where you're really bundling that good habit with something that you want to do. Totally. That's a helpful thing. Yeah. For me, I was going to say when I do my budget, it's almost like a reward for me where another habit of mine is like, I love my coffee. I love the whole process of creating a cup of coffee and that's its own endeavor. And I realized like, okay, I'll prepare a cup of coffee, but I have to do the budget. So there at least I can, I'm combining both where I get the satiation from a nice hot cup of coffee and I'm able to kind of just sit down and focus. So that to me is like, as simple as that may be, that to me is like the rewarding part. Right. Yeah. I think that's a perfect example. So uh, um, let's go, go, oh, ahead. go ahead. I was just going to say um, one other thing for making it attractive that I think is great for both of us to maybe touch on is... Um, joining kind of like a culture or an area where your desired behavior is the normal behavior. So, I mean, we have just quite frankly, it's a really great community on both Instagram and Twitter. Mm -hmm. Any sort of the finance folks on there have just been um, amazing. We all have really similar goals and genuine attitudes about helping people um, with their finances. So if you are, if you're listening to this, Come join us. <laughs> Where budgeting is the norm. <laughs> exactly. We are the cool people in the corner doing budgets. <laughs> you'll you'll love it soon enough. Um, and and this kind of works for like an accountability partner too. So you can kind of apply that same um, same focus, but in a more positive light. Yeah, I feel like the just the discussion of it, you know, in and of itself is, is good. And we've talked a, a little bit, Genevieve and I, around, you know, having that accountability partner or just your partner in general. So whether yeah. it be your, your boyfriend, your wife, your girlfriend, you know, your husband, whatever, you know, having this dialogue around your future and around the finances piece, it could be small. It doesn't have to be this laborious, okay, we're going to sit down and talk about the budget. Like it could just be something super casual that, you know, you can talk about while watching Bachelor in Paradise or while you both are having a cup cup of coffee, right? So Right. Yeah. And that's honestly how we do it. I mean, um, we kind of talked about this. I'm very much, I get super excited about all this stuff. I'm like, look at this spreadsheet I just made. This is so cool. And, you know, my boyfriend could really, quite frankly, care less. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, to to kind of entice him into to some of these finance discussions because we do live together and we share a lot of our financial lives together. Um, you know, we make it a date night. We have fun with it. We're making a good dinner, something that we love. And then we'll kind of break out one spreadsheet and review, see where everybody is. And I think that um, making it a little bit more fun <laughs> goes a long way. I'm sure he appreciates all the formulas and all the color coding. He does not. I really <laughs> appreciate it. 
<laughs> you will hear this, so appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, uh, it's, it's, it's good. It works for us for sure. And um, I think we keep each other balanced. I think that's the a good key. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. My, my wife will, right? will, will not will, will not you know take the time out to uh, appreciate the the budget conversation, but you know she knows it's necessary. We realize we agree on it, so it's all. Yeah, good. let me tell you, in my years and spending a decade in finance and helping a lot of couples, uh-huh. there is always one who is super into it, and then like oftentimes there is one who is just kind of along for the ride. And that's just, I think that's like the opposite of the tracks type of situation. That's totally so, okay. Yeah. Seen totally it before. Okay. <laughs> well, well, let's move on to the third law. So, how, you know, we talked about making it attractive. How do we make it easy for ourselves? You know, once we're getting down this path and getting a groove, how do we make it easy? Yeah. I love automation. So whether that is, um, you know, the first automation that I usually set up kind of for and with people is going to be automating either money into their savings accounts if they don't have an emergency fund or automating money into like an investment account if you know that's going to fit their their goals. But yeah, having that automation is key. Take advantage of it. Yeah. Sure. And there was one thing that James talked about, Genevieve, was around the environment. And mm-hmm. uh, he talked a little bit about, you know, for example, if in the health example where let's say you have the intention of running every morning just something as simple as putting out your workout clothes the night before right just like setting yourself up for that run is great and maybe it's like that's the environment you need and in the concept of budgeting maybe you do do it on pen and paper but you have this very you know elaborate i have to have this color pen for this budget line item or you know, we have to, I have to use this specific color highlighter. I have to have my coffee, like set the mood that you need to, to get it done. And it, it talks about how to make it easy but and, and attractive, but it's just like, if that's your process, yeah. you know, make it fun for yourself, make it easy. Yeah, I totally agree. And I did, um, I kind of put a note into that too. Yeah. Um, prime, prime your workstation, you know, Maybe that's even your, like you said, maybe that's in your kitchen, your kitchen counter or whatever the, the time and places make it and make it the same. Um, this is another thing that I picked up from the book that I found that was interesting. He talked about kind of in that sense of priming your workstation and making it feel very similar every time you're doing a task is he said, even playing the same type of music can kind of like get you in the mood to do something. And for me, I find this is really relatable just kind of for my day job at work. I usually play like, I don't know, lo-fi beats or something on Apple music. It's kind of like that just generic-y electronic music. Yeah. Um, And the minute I start that, like no matter where I am, like my mind is kind of like, okay, it's time to respond to all these emails. And I just go into like the work mode and so it, it really does work. So whatever you're doing, maybe that's the music you play while you're budgeting or something along those lines. Really set set the scene. I love that. I love that. And yeah. you know, for, for for those that are out there, like if if you enjoy like you know creative writing or you know whatever the habit you're trying to build, like if you need to sit outside to do it, go ahead and do it. Right. Like, but make it consistent that you know. On this day, on this, you know, as we talked about before, you know, kind of prime your environment, but also set the consistency of, I am going to do X at this location at this time. Yeah. Yeah. The more you make it consistent and you're in that same 
headspace and you have the same environment, your brain is, you're training your brain is what you're doing. Your brain's just like a little muscle and you're just making, you know, practice makes perfect. You're going to train it up. Do you remember, Genevieve, James talked about the two-minute rule, and, and you alluded to it earlier in, in our talk. Do you remember that at all? Yeah. So the two-minute rule is all about downscaling your habit until they can be done in two minutes or less. And this is where I like automation because the more you can automate, the less time you really are going to take. Like You can more do – I feel like at this point in time, at least with my spending – I kind of do more spot checks, you know, I can pretty much tell I have a pretty similar spending habit, um, besides, you know, an emergency or a bigger event or something Mm -hmm. like that. That's out of the ordinary, but you know, I can kind of go down the line and be like, okay, this is about right. I spent, you know, hundred dollars on groceries this week. That's on, that's in line. And I kind of know, Um, because everything else is automated. My savings is automated. My investments are automated. Any pay, my mortgage is automated. All of our living expenses are automated. So it's kind of like, I really don't have that much to check and it takes me, you know, 10 minutes a week. Totally. And you know, for example, I'm a big Google sheet guy. So it's just like, Mm. I'm just copying the same sheet into the next month, renaming everything. Investments are there. The only things that will change will probably be like, you know, right now we're really hot in Chicago, so our air conditioning bill is uh, up, yeah. right? You know, you being in the South, I'm sure your air conditioning bill is pretty consistent over the past oh, yeah. couple of months. But <laughs> that changes in the winter, right? Like, you know, right. you, those are just variable expenses that you you tend to change. But um, to your point, like, I don't really have to change much within, you know, a yeah. two to three minute change on the spreadsheet. So, and one um, app I just started using, which was I've I've been finding really helpful, um, is that Copilot app. Hmm. Never heard and of it. And it is um, it just gives you like a very up to date breakdown, very similar to Mint, but just a little bit more user friendly. And I usually don't I haven't used a lot of apps in my budgeting before. Usually, I just kind of go down through my bank statements, but this one's really easy to use and um, has kind of made, I was thinking about it during this two minute rule. Cause I was like, Oh, it's kind of shortened my time that it takes to go down and, and check all my boxes off. Oh, right on. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll look it up and put in the show notes for people to check out. Um, and uh, for me, I use personal capital for yep. obviously the investment side, but they also have a budgeting side. So there's, there's a ton out there, people. Um, if you're not, yeah, you know, whatever you like, whatever your flavor is, um, you can go ahead and do it. So the last one, Genevieve, we're going to talk about the fourth law that James talks about, and it's how do we make it satisfying? Yeah. And, you know, when it comes to budgeting, make it realistic. I think that's another one that I kind of um, get a little bit frustrated with the budget because a lot of times we make it and it's, it's we don't leave any room for the fun stuff, you know, so make room for the fun stuff, make room for, um, I just did a Instagram live kind of all around like paying yourself first and how that can include, I mean, obviously things like our healthcare and, um, you know, your emergency savings and things like that, but how it also includes things to, take care of yourself today. So whether you're like Justin and I, and you like, love some good food, you know, make sure you bump, bump up that restaurant budget, whatever it is, go for it. (laughs) 
Yeah, I'm sure you find like when you go through like a budgeting exercise with like a family, for example, like it's like, okay, we're going to change our budget and cut 25% of it. But you're a family of four. Like they, they restrict so much upfront. Yeah. A big one I see is sometimes people overestimate like what they really, um, what they really like doing. Like sometimes I feel like people will put a lot uh, under like clothing and personal care, but it's like, well, do you really like love clothes? Which maybe you do and that's fine. That's great. But a lot of times people will be like, well, I mean, yeah, I guess, but not really. I really love concerts or, you know, it'll mm-hmm. be like something else. And it's like, okay, well, cut the clothing budget and put it over, you know, that's where you're going to save. So, um, you know, I think, have you read, I will teach you to be rich. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love me. So, you know, it's, I love that too. So it's that whole concept of spend, you know, spend on what you love and spend less on what you don't. Yeah, I, I love that. And I love Ramit's phrase about like, how do we become better spenders? And yeah. I think, you know, don't allow this budget exercise or building this habit of creating a budget, make it unattractive to you, right? We, we want to make it attractive. And, you know, if, if you love going to Starbucks, get the damn latte. <laughs> yeah, just do it. And I also like kind of, I don't know, I work this way anyways. I love a reward. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I've re- I did this all through, you know, college, MBA, all, all, of the, all of the schoolings or anything. If I have to do something really bad, I'm always like, okay, what do I get afterwards? And maybe it is just like an amazing cup of coffee I get to take my to or something like that. But so, if, you know, maybe if you have a great month and you stick within your budget and you have a little bit of leftover, do some do something fun for yourself, you know, make it a little bit of a surprise or celebrate in some way. So incentivize yourself. <laughs> yeah. And and don't feel so, uh, going, again, going back to the, the budget piece, it's, you know, don't make it restrictive. Don't make it limiting. Make it something where it's a part of your, your monthly process or weekly process. And again, you know, this is, you know, whether you're breaking the bad habit of credit cards or trying to build this habit of budgeting, or whatever it is, you know, just create these systems in place to to get you there. And it, that reward is a psychological win. Yes. And sometimes that reward really doesn't even have to be like something monetary. It could even be as simple as um, like, I feel like a lot of people, once they really get into it, like how fun is calculating that net worth sometimes and like watching your investments grow and just being like, dang, look at me, look at where I was and where I am now. This is so cool, you know? And so sometimes it's even just keeping track and, and seeing how far you've come can feel like a psychological award there. Yeah, totally. Well, thanks, Shadaviv. I think this was a great exercise to go through both. Um, yeah. I, I think both of us are happy to say for those that haven't read this book to definitely go out and get it. Uh, if you have a local library, encourage for you to rent it. Yes. It's free. <laughs> Do it. Support um, your libraries. <laughs> support your library or your local bookstore. Local um, book. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything else that we're missing out here uh, from the book that you either love or wanted to highlight? Yeah. Um, let me see. The only other thing I think I was going to add is he does talk about a great rule that says never miss twice. So give yourself a break whether it's the budgeting, whether it's overspending, whatever, or working out or meditating, whatever the, bud- the habit that you're trying to do, 
you miss it once, it's cool, but really try not to miss it twice. Yeah. No, I love that. Love yep. That. Well, I, I do want to be able, you know, where could people find you, Genevieve? Mostly on Instagram. So that's where I kind of hang out and I spend the most time, although Justin has um, made me go on Twitter. <laughs> and I actually like it because it's a good way to get. So sometimes I just have a quick thought. I'm like, oh, that's a good tweet. I can do that instead. Um, but you can find me on Instagram. It's at holistic.personal.finance. And um, I have a link in bio there where it links up to um, website, one-on-one coaching. I do write a blog like twice a month. So um, go check it out. Yeah. And I, I believe she ha- you have uh, one spot available for coaching still. Is that right? I do. I have one spot available right now. So um, definitely go check out that link in bio. There's um, a page there. You can see the whole program. And if you think that might be a great fit for you, then uh, let me know. Cool. Yeah. Well, Genevieve, thank you for you know, staying up and, and talking uh, with this little book club. It, we should definitely yes. figure out another one for another future episode that we could. I think that would be really fun. Yeah. So, um, well, with that, Genevieve, thank you again for coming on the Road to Wealth podcast. And for those that uh, are, have listened, thank you so much for joining us. All right. Thank you, Justin. 